Hi, and welcome to the Two Crazy Chicks podcast. And just a disclaimer before today's episode begins, while I, Cassie, am a licensed therapist, this podcast is not meant to take the place of therapy. Anything that is discussed in this podcast episode is meant to be educational and inspirational. If you are seeking professional support, please reach out to myself or Stephanie, and we can help you locate the resources you are looking for. You can also use a directory such as Psychology Today or the Center for Apostolic Counseling. And you can go onto these websites and find a therapist in your state that would be able to help you. Hey, I'm Cassie. I'm Stephanie. Welcome to our podcast. On today's episode, we are going to discuss what an eating disorder is. And Cassie, I'm going to go ahead and let you start first because you have the, uh, the license and the background exactly of what it is. So, Hey Cassie, so what is uh, an eating disorder? Yeah, there are many different types of eating disorders. Um, and each eating disorder varies on the person and no two eating disorders are the same. No two eating disorders present the same. Each person has their own struggles with their eating disorder and yeah. Um, so let's start with one type of eating disorder is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which according to the DSM, which is the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders an avoidant restrictive food intake disorder is an eating or feeding disturbance, um, such as apparent lack of interest in eating or food avoidance based on the sensory characteristics of food concern about aversive consequences of eating as manifested by persistent failure to meet appropriate nutritional and or energy needs. And it is characterized by significant weight loss, significant nutritional deficiency, dependence on in internal feeding or oral nutritional supplements and marked interference with psychosocial functioning. Um, so this eating disorder, avoidant restrictive food intake disorder is you just, you avoid food. Um, you don't have an interest in food. You don't have an interest in eating food. You just, you avoid it. Um, because you're concerned about different consequences related to eating, such as like, am I going to gain weight or is this going to happen? Or is that going to happen? Um, another eating disorder type is anorexia nervosa, which again, according to the DSM is restriction of energy intake relative to requirements leading to a significantly but low body weight in the context of age, sex, developmental trajectory, and physical health. Significantly low weight is defined as a weight that is less than minimally normal or for children and adolescents less than minimally expected. You have an intense fear of gaining weights or of becoming fat or persistent behavior that interferes with weight gain, even though you are already at a significantly low weight. Um, it's also characterized by disturbance in the way in which one's body weight or shape is experienced. 
undue influence of body weight or shape on self-evaluation or persistent lack of recognition and the seriousness of the current low body weight. And it is characterized by two different types. So there's anorexia nervosa restricting type and anorexia nervosa binge eating purging type. So what is the restricting type? During the last three months, the individual has not engaged in recurrent episodes of binge eating or purging behavior. This subtype describes presentations in which weight loss is accomplished primarily through dieting, fasting, and or excessive exercising. Um, so with restricting type, you eat very little food. Like for example, whenever I struggled with an eating disorder, I would only eat a bowl of oatmeal a day and that was it. That was my diet. I ate nothing else. So the bench eating purge type is during the last three months, the individual has engaged in recurrent episodes of binge eating or purging behavior, such as self-induced vomiting. So with binge eating, you might eat everything in the pantry and then make yourself throw up after, and that would be the purging. Um, so, and then the other eating disorder is bulimia nervosa. Um, and bulimia is characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating. An episode of binge eating is characterized by both of the following. Eating in a discrete period of time within any two-hour period. An amount of food that is definitely larger than what most individuals would eat in a similar period of time under similar circumstances. And it's a sense of lack of control over eating during the episode, such as a feeling that one cannot stop eating or control what or how much one is eating. So with bulimia nervosa, you kind of get out of control with your eating and you don't know when or feel like you can't stop and you just have no control over what you're putting into your body. You just constantly feed yourself everything in the kitchen pantry. Um, it's also characterized by recurrent and appropriate compensatory behaviors in order to prevent weight gain, such as self-induced vomiting, um, use of diuretics or other medications or fasting or excessive exercising. So let's say you ate 1200 calories in one setting you might go excessively exercise until you burn off those 1200 calories. Um, and then the binge eating and inappropriate compensatory behaviors both occur on average at least once a week for three months. Self-evaluation is unduly influenced by body shape and weight. And the disturbance does not occur exclusively during episodes of anorexia nervosa. Um, and I know there's like many other eating disorders out there, but these are some of the more common ones that people see a lot of, um, Stephanie, anything to add to that? Yeah, I like, um, so I'm getting ready to actually, while we're recording this in a couple of days, well, actually tomorrow, I'm going to go see my doctor for a physical 
to go through and make sure that my anorexia has not caused any harm inside my body. And so they gave me this paper, this package and stuff to give my doctor. And as I was reading it, I loved what it said in here that eating disorders do not discriminate. They can affect individuals of all ages, genders, ethnicities, social backgrounds, and with a variety of body shapes, weights, and sizes. And that's so true because like we think eating disorder, when you think of an eating disorder, you think of like a skinny person that's like a stick and you could see the bones and the rib cage and all of that, but that's not true. An eating disorder can be very, a variety of different people. But then we also always think like EDs are just a woman thing and just a teenage thing, you know, like men don't deal with this. Well, that's not true either. There's plenty of men out there who also suffer with an eating disorder, not just women. And I think that's a common stigma is that eating disorders are something only females struggle with, but how many men silently struggle with an eating disorder because of the stigma and shame around men and men shouldn't struggle with anything. Men oh, that's should so be true. Yeah. Yeah. Men know. are supposed to be like, you know, buff and working out and all of this. And we put that pressure on them, you know, and it's on women too, but it's all on men. I think a little bit harder because like, if you, a man comes out and like, Hey, I have an eating disorder. They're just going to be like, ha ha. No, you don't grow up, you know, and that kind of thing. Exactly. And I've heard of men who like are in competitive sports, such as like wrestling and this and that, and where they have to maintain a certain body weight or, and so in order to maintain that body weight, they might start to struggle with anorexia or starve themselves or Benji or something like that, just so they can keep that body weight where it needs to be so they can continue to wrestle. Yeah, that's true. Or like your basketball or your swimmers, swimmers have to be a certain like size in order to get really good and really fast across that water and stuff. And so there is like those swimmers who have that eating disorder where like, I'm just going to eat so much, but then I'm going to work out massively to get my body the certain shape that it needs to be to get through the water. Yeah, absolutely. So eating disorders are not limited to just women. They're not limited to just men. I mean, I see a lot of teenagers even struggle with eating disorders, you know, because we live in a society where image is everything and being thin is considered beautiful. And if you're not thin, then you're ugly. Mm -hmm. And it breaks my heart. Absolutely. And it's not, and believe it or not, it's not just in the world. It's not just out there outside of the church. It is inside. Yes. The apostolic church itself has women, men, teens, adults who struggle with eating disorders. We're just not open with it. We're not out there talking about it. So it's not just a worldly thing that you think, oh, I'm in the church. This can't happen to me. It can't happen to my close friends, my daughter, my son. No, you're wrong. It could absolutely happen because we are such a culture where we are like, we have to be put together, have to have our hair right. And we have to look right. You know, Mm -hmm. we teach the young girls and there's nothing wrong. I love getting dressed up. I love, you know, doing my hair, looking pretty. I absolutely love that. But we teach them at a very young age that you need to have this standard and, you know, yes, dress holy and modest and all of that. But you don't always have to dress up. You can have that messy bun. It's okay. You can be a size 12, 14, 18, and you are mm-hmm. still absolutely wonderfully and beautifully made by God. 
Exactly. And it's totally okay to go out in public in a sweatshirt and an athletic skirt. Like you don't have to dress up every time you leave your house. Mm -mm. That's so true. And one other thing that I think that we really need to make sure everybody understands that all eating disorders, no matter which one you have, are very serious life-threatening illnesses. Mm -hmm. And they're not just something to be taken lightly. So if you think your child, your friend, somebody has an eating disorder close to you, you need to reach out to them, find out what's going on, you know, because it is a very life-threatening thing. You know, I hate to, to say it, but you know, I was, I was in denial with my eating disorder. My first therapist can tell you that I refuse to be like, I have an eating disorder. I never would admit it. It took me, took me a while to even admit that I had a food problem. And then eventually I said I had an eating disorder, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I was eventually professionally diagnosed, Mm -hmm. but it's it's one of those things that you just need to to watch. And it's, it is very life-threatening where if I think if I mm-hmm. eventually would have, it would have done a lot, lot more damage than what it's already done. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause eating disorders, if you struggle with an eating disorder and it gets to the point where your weight is so low, you can start to go into organ failure and all of these other medical problems can start to come up. And it can even affect you, like your teeth, even like the enamel on your teeth, especially if you binge and purge, it can cause a lot of damage to your teeth as well. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that, that it can, like a lot of that can happen even just outside of, you know, bulimia. Mm -hmm. Yes, it definitely can happen and no one is immune to it. Like it can happen to any of us. Yeah. It doesn't matter like what, where you live, where you're from, what country, it doesn't matter. It, it's a mental illness. You know, it's, it's not something that's going to be like, Oh, you're rich. Can't touch you. No, no, you could be the richest person or the poorest person. Guess what? It's, it's going to come after you. It's a mind game you know, and for my eating disorder. So I'm diagnosed with, um, restrictive anorexia nervosa. And I always had to think before I say, it, cause to me, it's such a long word. And so, um, but like that is, that is like a, a mental health thing. And it, mine stemmed from, you know, control issues. My life was so much out of control and I didn't know what to do, but I could control mm-hmm. food. I could control that aspect of my life. And I think that's where food comes into play because whenever everything else in our life is out of control, the only thing all of us have total control over is our food. When we can't control what's going on in our personal lives, what's going on at work, what's going on here or there, we still have control over food. We get to decide how much food we put into our bodies. That's true. Yeah. Like how much we put in or how much we don't put in. And then if, you know, Cassie was saying just a little bit ago that, you know, she just ate a bowl of oatmeal. Well, I would hit a thousand calories and Lordy, Mm -hmm. if I hit over a thousand, I was in like panic mode. Oh my, now I have to work out like three more hours because I just Mm -hmm. hit, you know, a thousand and one calorie. And that one calorie would just send me in a spiral and a, and a meltdown, you know, and I would even run up and down my stairs. I'm sure my neighbor downstairs loved me at times because I would just run up and down my stairs. 
Yeah. And that's another thing too, like going back to what I said earlier about like no two eating disorders present the same, even though Stephanie and I have a very similar eating disorder, you know, she's a fish professionally diagnosed. I am not, but if I had a guess, you know, I would have the same anorexia nervosa restricting. Um, my eating disorder was I only ate a bowl of oatmeal and I would walk maybe 10, 15 miles a day burning two to 3000 calories. And so that's another thing too, is like our eating disorders, while we have the same one or very similar, they presented very differently. Yeah, very true. You know, you walked and I went to the gym in the morning for hours and then in the afternoons I would run and stuff. And so, you know, and we'll definitely, in in our next podcast, we're definitely going to dig deeper into like how eating disorders, you can have the same, but yet be so different in the eating disorder itself. Mm-hmm. which to me is just so crazy. Like how, how we have the same type of eating disorder, professionally diagnosed, not professionally diagnosed, but still have that and be so different. And again, that's where it comes to. We're from two different lives. You know, I'm originally from the deep South from Gulfport, Mississippi, and she's originally from Indiana. I think Jasper, Indiana, I think is where she's from originally. And yep. like, yeah. And so two different <laughs> Two different worlds. Okay. The deep South, the Midwest, let me tell you, I'm an implant to the Midwest and I had to learn a whole new culture. Okay. Up here is a very different way of life. Um, down South, yeah. it's very different. So like I had to learn that, but that just shows to show you that an eating disorder does not care where you are from. It doesn't. I mean, it can find you wherever you are and it doesn't matter who you are. Like Stephanie said, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who your dad is. It doesn't matter who your mom is. And it doesn't matter if you're apostolic or another religious denomination. It can still happen to you. Yes. And that right there is so true. This isn't just happening in the apostolic faith. Me and Cassie, you'll hear us talk a lot about the apostolic faith, the Pentecostal faith, because that's what we are. We are apostolic Pentecostal. And so you'll hear us talk about that a lot, but this isn't just a topic that's not talked about in the apostolic world. It's not really talked about in the Christian world either. Um, I went on a hunt trying to find, you know, a Christian eating disorder therapist. And let me tell you, that is the hardest struggle at all to try to find a Christian eating disorder therapist. Um, One, it's even hard to find an eating disorder therapist, let alone throw on the Christian aspect. Oh my, we need more, more of those. Cause it took me so long to find one. And the one I did, they're all on a waiting list. They have massive waiting lists to even get on because there's so many, which just breaks my heart that we don't have enough therapists, but there's too many clients out there who are struggling with eating disorders and we can't, and the therapists we do have, we don't have enough and they can't see everybody. Exactly. And then your next best option is residential, but even those waiting lists are pretty full too. Absolutely. The hospital here in Indianapolis, um, that has one, um, IU, but when I called them last year, just to talk to them, they said, we can't take anybody else right now. We're booked up for an entire year. And I was like, Oh my, that's sad. Like, that's great that we have that, but it's sad that we have that at the same time, if that makes sense. It really is like, I mean, I'm glad there's resources out there, but we need more. There's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and back to like what an eating disorder is, 
Um, you'll have to excuse Cassie and I. Sometimes we like to chase rabbits and stuff and talk about everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you don't know that term, I got looked at one day when I said we're going to chase rabbits. Um, I got looked at. I was like, we're not chasing rabbits. I don't mean literally chasing rabbits. Maybe that's a Southern term. I'm not sure. But it just means we get off on a tangent. We get off on another topic and we can go on for hours. That's what I mean. Okay. All you Midwestern people learn some Southern lingo. Um, (laughs) um, Some of the things that I found really unique about, um, again, the paper that I'm, I'm been reading and going through, because I'm getting ready to meet with my doctor, um, is that cold cold is also an indicator of an eating disorder, which cold, cold can indicate a lot of things. So these are just generic general mental, uh, medical processes. But I, I found it interesting that your body can become extremely cold. And I, so I researched a little bit about that. And the reason, the reason I found, again, this is on Google. I am not a doctor or medical professional in anything. Okay. Um, Cassie might know more about this aspect than I do. Again, I Googled it. Don't always Google your symptoms. But um, like it talked about like you're not eating enough. So your body can't produce the enough calories to help uh, your body produce heat. So it's using your energy to do something else. So it no longer can can have the energy to make you warm, which I don't like being cold. And so that was a big like maybe... Maybe I need to talk to my doctor tomorrow about me being cold all the time. Yeah. And I know too, when you struggle with an eating disorder, cause like this, I experienced this was like, and keep in mind, this was pre pandemic, pre COVID. Um, I got a really bad cold. Um, and I wouldn't say it was a really bad cold. It was probably normal to the colds I typically get, but it took me because I was really struggling with an eating disorder. And because I was such at a, at such a low weight, it probably took me two weeks to recover from that cold when typically I would have been over it in three to five days. That is interesting. So how long did it really take you to recover from that? Probably about two weeks. Or I felt back to normal again. Wow. Was it, was, was your symptoms worse? No, they were about the same as they usually are when I have a cold, like just coughing, sneezing, um, stuffy nose. And again, Um, everybody, this is uh, pre COVID. Yeah, this is pre COVID. (laughs) Um, so yeah, like, oh, and I, couldn't talk very well either. I lost my voice. Um, and that, which that sometimes happens with me when I get cold, it's not always, but sometimes, and it took me like, I think two weeks to get over it when it normally would take me three to five days. That is really interesting. And that just like, that goes to show you that food actually is something that our body needs. Like God created food. God created us to eat the food kind of thing. And that's, you know, our body needs that to help our immune system. And I feel like if we take that food away and, and again, I'm preaching to the choir. Okay. I'm in recovery for an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so, but I feel like when we take that food away, we lose more of our immune system than we realize, but we're so focused on, I have to lose this weight. I have to be skinny. I have to do that. I have to, have to, have to, that we put ourselves on the back burner. 
that we're just our body. We don't care anymore. We don't, we just want to be skinny. That's all we're focused on is I can't, I, we got to look at that number. We got to look at that weight. I can't be this weight. I got to make sure I'm skinny. Can't gain. And we just, we forget the importance of what food actually does to our bodies, which is so much because I believe the last time I looked it up, it was like, and Cassie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like 400 calories just for your brain to function. Yeah. I think, yeah, I remember you saying that I've never actually looked that up, but I do remember you telling me that when you looked it up once. And you know, another symptom too, that I find very interesting and this is a little bit of graphics. I'm just going to give like a disclaimer on that. So, um, if you guys don't want to hear this little bit of a graphic, I guess, I guess it could be, but like your period, your menstrual cycle, it can Mm -hmm. affect your menstrual cycle. I used to have very, very heavy periods. Um, and maybe this is gross for some to hear, but I used, I did, I used to have very heavy periods and now, and I used to go exactly five to seven days. I don't do that anymore. They're very extremely light and I can be two or three days and that's it, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and it does, it affects, it affects that aspect yeah. of your life. And, you know, and I can speak to that too. And yes, it might be gross for some to talk about this, but this is one aspect of an eating disorder and another, you know, thing that can happen from an eating disorder. Like whenever I was really struggling with my eating disorder, I didn't have a period for like seven to eight months. Um, because my body weight was just so low that I don't know, like I just, I didn't have a period for seven to eight months. Yeah. And that's just, it's crazy. Like, I mean, not only does it affect that kind of stuff, but it also affects your stress functions. You can get low bone um, density, infertility, Mm -hmm. memory loss, um, insomnia. You can self-harm goes along with eating disorders. Um, suicidal thoughts, plans, or attempts can also go along with that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the one thing, and for me, I feel like this could be, you know, a hard thing for apostolics with eating disorder is that you can lose your hair. And, and if you're not familiar with the apostolic way of life, like the women's hair is their glory, you know, and that means a lot to us, you know, that's our, that's our glory that God has given us. And so like, I noticed that I've lost hair, you know, and I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe this. Like my hair is, is thinning, you know, but it's, I can't say for a fact, cause again, I'm not a doctor, but it's very much likely from the eating disorder itself. Yeah. And I know losing your hair is a common symptom. Um, another symptom that can occur is you can have, you can become anemic if you struggle with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then becoming anemic is definitely not good either. No, no, I don't, I don't think any of these are really, nope, they are not. None of these are good signs or good symptoms. (laughs) And we have to talk about them. Absolutely. Because if we don't talk about them now, then what's it going to do to us in the long run itself? Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what kind of, you know, eating disorder, what an eating disorder can actually cause can cause, excuse me, I lost my kind of a train of thought there for a second, but you know, so yeah, Cassie, from a medical standpoint, um, and again, I'm, you're a licensed therapist, you're not a doctor, so it's a different, different kind of standpoint, but what would you say about like eating disorders? Like what, what do you think is like the worst symptom that you've ever had from the eating disorder? Hmm. The worst symptom I ever experienced was, um, 
there were times because I was only eating a bowl of oatmeal a day, like I would be walking down the hallway at work and feel really dizzy and have to grab onto the wall. Or I would be at home walking up the stairs and run out of breath. So I'd have to pause for a minute. Or I remember sometimes like simple tasks, like making my bed, something that should only take five to 10 minutes to do would sometimes take me 20 to 30 minutes to do because I had to keep stopping to catch my breath because I couldn't breathe. Yeah. Wow. I've definitely felt the fainting and stuff and the dizziness. And if you have never been dizzy, bless you. Bless you. That's all I have to say. Cause dizziness is not fun at all. Like I've never been vertigo. I've had dizziness, but not vertigo. Um, but I don't want Disney. I, I don't like mm-hmm. being dizzy at all. Like, yeah. I mean, and another interesting fact that I learned recently again, Stephanie learned recently too, and I'm reading it here again. Um, so in the DSM, it says suicide risk is elevated in anorexia nervosa with rates reported as 12 per 100,000 each year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's so true, you know, leading up to my, um, so I had a suicide ideation back in 2021 and I look back, that was probably the, the smallest that I was and the less food I was eating. And when I got admitted into the hospital, I remember them like putting down the food, the amount of food that I was supposed to eat in the calories. And like, I had a panic attack in the hospital because I was like, mm-hmm. I can't touch the plate. I can't eat this much of food. And in reality, it was a normal breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And they, what they were trying to do is that they were trying to get my body back into like good condition because I had not eaten so much that my body was just there was so much going on inside of it that they were like, you need to eat this amount of food in order to be healthy. And I was like, I'm not touching that. The devil is a liar. I was like, no, I mean, I literally had a panic attack over food, you know, and that's, and I mean, as crazy as it sounds, it's, it's the life of it, of an eating disorder person is that we have a lot of like mental problems, a lot of not, well, that sounds great. Mental problems. It's not the way I meant it, I guess, but like negative thoughts and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you have negative thoughts when it comes to food. Like, oh my goodness, if I eat this, if I eat this bowl of ice cream, I'm going to gain a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Is that the reality of it though? No, no, <laughs> you're definitely not. Gonna not. Gain, no, you're not going to gain a hundred pounds just from eating a bowl of ice cream. Like, no. But that's what an eating, but that's what an eating disorder brain says to you. Absolutely. And you trust it. Absolutely. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, I was told once, and I think Cassie, you had told me you were told the same thing. Just eat it. It's not going to hurt you. You're absolutely right. It's not going to hurt my body, but it's hurting my mind. Like Mm -hmm. the process of like my thought process is killing me. And I think leading up to my suicide ideation, like, my negative thoughts and everything else, like that was it. I was done. I couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, I give up. I'm done with the negative thoughts, the mental problem, everything going on in my mind. And that's all from an eating disorder standpoint. Exactly. And, you know, and I like to call those thoughts. So Stephanie and I recently read a book about, um, oh goodness, I can't remember the name of the book anymore. Like goodbye, Ed, hello me. I think it was the name of it. 
And she's talking about like how she named her eating disorder, this person named Ed. Yes. And anytime Ed started to creep into her mind, she would find ways to drown out her thoughts. Yeah. And that really kind of helped me put into perspective is like putting Ed as a person, mm -hmm. putting Ed as a person, because like, like you hear, you hear the negative thoughts as much as you want to be like, no, I don't hear any voices Mm -hmm. in my head. No, you do. You hear the voice in your head telling you, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Don't eat Mm -hmm. that. Don't go there. You're going to have to eat if you go. Yeah. You know, and And that's that kind of thing. And I don't know about you, Stephanie, but like, I even like in my mind, like, so I see Ed as this person and I created an image in my mind of what I feel like Ed looks like to me. And that way I have a face to put with his name and can just tell this person goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can relate to that very much. I'm a very visual person. So when I read, like I start to like see the things that I read and stuff. So as we're coming to a close on this, on this, uh, podcast episode, episode number two, by the way, we have made it to episode number two, Cassie. Yay. Yay. Us. Um, yay us. <laughs> oh, hey, so, yeah. Celebrate little things in life. So, um, as we kind of come to a wrap up a close, I guess on this topic, on what an eating disorder is. Cassie, do you have anything out there that you would want to say to one person that is trying to figure out, do I have an eating disorder or not? First thing I'd recommend is find someone you can talk to, whether it's a therapist, you go see your doctor or another medical professional, find someone you can talk to about it and just explain to them like your symptoms, what's going on. And second of all, if that person feels like you have an eating disorder, Don't be afraid to reach out for help. There is no shame in saying I have a problem and I need help. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up at in recovery is they feel like saying you need help is a sign of weakness, but the reality is saying help, saying you need help is one of the bravest and courageous things you can do. Absolutely. And, you know, and if you, and if you don't feel comfortable and you're in a safe environment in your church, you know, go to your pastor, go to your pastor's mm-hmm. wife and, and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about something you know, and, and be honest with them. And they're going to, I can guarantee you, they are going to pray with you and they're going to help you the best way possible. And they, mm-hmm. if they know a therapist, they're probably going to tell you, Hey, I know this therapist let's get connected with her so that you can get the help you need, you know, Absolutely. And, and it's okay. If you want to be that person who I don't have an eating disorder, I have a food problem, go for it and keep mm-hmm. building towards that recovery. Because I started out just as a, I have a food problem. I don't have an eating disorder. It's a food problem. You know, and mm-hmm. then eventually I was able to say I have an eating disorder. And from that point on, I was able to get the help that I needed and be able to allow God to come into my life. Absolutely. And for anyone interested, that book I mentioned, Goodbye Ed, Hello Me, is written by Jenny Schaefer. And if you are struggling with an eating disorder, I would highly recommend reading that book. And she is not, you know, uh, how do they say she's not giving us any money or anything to produce her book? She is not. (laughs) No, no endorsements (laughs) at all. We just really enjoy her book and enjoy the books that she has written. Um, She has another one as well. And so 
But again, no endorsements whatsoever on that aspect. <laughs> we just really enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We just really enjoy <laughs> it. And I don't know about you, Stephanie, but I found the book super helpful. Absolutely. Would recommend it to anyone. Well, um, I think that's all for us tonight on the second episode of The Two Crazy Chicks. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast as much as Cassie and I. And stay tuned for episode three coming to you in just a few weeks. Have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye.